the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Hour 2 of 4 on the George Show, 710 Canyons. We'll be with you until 10 o'clock. We turn it over to a guy named Charlie Kirk. He has it for a couple hours, gives it to a dude named Dennis Prager, followed by Seb Gorka, then a guy named Brandon Tatum. But we come back live and local on Monday, 6 to 10 a.m., There is absolutely nothing going on in the political world anywhere next week. Nothing noteworthy going on. But to have a discussion about how little there is going on, we're proud to have on the radio today Madison Gilbert from uh, the RNC. Madison, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you this morning. Hey, listen, I know you probably do a million of these things. We just do them a little bit differently. I uh, I feel like most people want to know who they're talking to, so I always ask them the same thing. Where's home for you? Where did you go to high school? And what was your thing back in high school? I don't, I don't care if it was a sport or some other extracurricular or you had launched individual crime sprees with largely impunity or whatever it is. <laughs> well, I love it. So I'm from Ohio. I'm actually still based in Ohio. I work remotely for the RNC, uh, Northeast Ohio specifically. I went to Jackson High School in Massillon, Ohio. We're known for our football. So a lot of people across the country actually very did familiar with the Massillon Tigers. I did not play football, but I was a figure skater for 10 years. Get out of town. Yeah, I trained uh, six days a week, multiple hours a day. Very serious. Had some injuries that ended my career. Still missing oh, no. to this day. Yeah. Were they, did, did somebody come along and hit you in the knee with a metal pipe? Or? If only my story was so exciting, but I had a, a back and a, and a right ankle injury. Oh, I'm sorry. That was uh, I, uh, rough. That was the- it for a couple years. The figure skating thing is legit. I mean, if you watch that stuff at the Olympic level, and that's really the only time you ever get to see it on the Ocho or something on ESPN, the ability and willingness to do that little high-speed, triple toe loop, axle, double flip, whatever that is. Like, when I see them execute that, I think, how many millions of times have you not executed that well? How do you even get to the point where you're confident enough to do that? That's crazy. Oh, it's an incredible sport. I mean, people see the beauty of it when, you know, you're prepared for competition at the Olympics at the very last day. Uh, But the brutal mornings and days that go into it, the amount of times you're hitting, you know, basically cement over and over and over again all day. Mm. I don't think people realize it's a very, very physical sport. Well, uh, uh, college then, did you skate in college? I did not skate in college. I ended up going to Ohio State undergrad and law school, spent about seven years in Columbus a very short stint in D.C. before coming back to Ohio. Now, hang on one sec. I've never heard of Ohio State. Do they have any sports there? (laughs) Maybe a little (laughs) team called the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I watched them in the national championship, not this year, but uh, I'm kidding. Um, You went there for law school as well? I did. I graduated law school there back in 2017. Okay, and what have you been doing with the law? So I practiced law for a little bit, ended up becoming the Republican nominee for Congress in Ohio's 13th congressional district in the last cycle in 22. Very heated, one of those top targeted races in 22, and then uh, ended up after that coming on to uh, the RNC officially in August. And then before that, spent some time while also practicing law, 
working in politics. I was the spokesperson for the president's inauguration back in 2017 for President Trump. I was on his advisory board and diversity council, did a lot of work uh, in politics, wrote some columns uh, for Washington Times and The Hill for some years and kind of have been all over the place doing a little bit of law, a little bit of politics, but super excited to be full time on board, uh, you know, working towards big victories this year for our party. Talk about that if you would. First off, um, I'm always fascinated to hear the, the guests that we get on here, their backgrounds, but it's also very depressing because all the stuff that you've accomplished and what are you like 20 or something? I mean, it's just ridiculous <laughs> how much you've I'll already gotten done. 32 in March. Well, listen, I'm still claiming I, my the, age for a couple more if, years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're 32, you can claim that age. If we were in the six o'clock hour, I'd use the F word, but instead I'll just say screw you for being 32. But nonetheless, <laughs> Um, what's going on next week that matters and how, listen, everything seems to be, in my opinion, um, a distraction from the importance of the, of the primary. And that is, um, you know, you've got all the Trump stuff in court, you've got all the, everything seems to be a bit of a distraction while there's, we're trying to get through this primary process to decide who's going to be our nominee for president. What's going on next week? So on Monday, we have the very first uh, official kickoff of the primary season with the Iowa caucuses. And that's just eight days away from, of course, our very first in the nation primary in New Hampshire. So we're just one step closer to ultimately having our nominee, one step closer to November. Uh, really, all it's about is making sure that we have that nominee and that we as a national party have that road and infrastructure built for them to drive on day one to get them hitting the ground running and making sure they have whatever it takes to get them across the finish line. So we're actively uh, paying attention to what's going on in the primaries and the caucuses. We were very proud of being able to put on a fair and transparent primary process, very dissimilar to what the Democrats have done, and we're ready to win. And we're doing everything to look back at 2022, look back at 2020, and how we can change some of those results. People as the Republican Party weren't happy with we can see that Iowa historically could be the end of some campaigns. And if I, or I'm not asking you to weigh in on this, I'm just saying if Ron DeSantis comes in third in Iowa, it's over. I mean, if he's a distant second, it's over. But we haven't seen Iowa be a kingmaker. And with respect to our good buddies out there in Iowa, how important is Iowa in the scheme of things in terms of the nomination? As you know, Trump didn't win Iowa last time. Um, does it matter as much? I mean, I think they're all going to be important. Uh, we're excited for Iowa. I know the candidates are excited for Iowa. It's always exciting. The caucuses are very different, very unique. Uh, obviously, something me being from Ohio that I you know, wasn't used to growing up. So it's been really cool to watch how that process plays out. People have to be there by 7 o'clock. Something interesting is if you're there like a minute late, you can't participate. So really? uh, with all the snow and yeah, so with all the snow and everything going on in Iowa, everybody has to get there at 7. It's just that closed door meeting, uh, you know, in all of the 99 counties and the different areas in Iowa, they'll caucus, uh, they'll release their results, and then we'll move forward to New Hampshire. But I think, uh, again, once we do have that presumptive nominee, we'll just be very, very focused on November and focused on making sure uh, that we're sharing that message and we're sharing it in the right places, that we're reaching the what? voters where they are and we're winning those votes we didn't win in 2022. Madison, where, when do we know the presumptive nominee? I mean, that, that remains to be seen. We'll see what happens, what, you know, with the campaigns and, and with the results. Is Super Tuesday the, the end? I mean, if, uh, like, right, right now, I think if anyone had any dollars to bet, they would bet it on Trump, and yet we still go through this process. Is Super Tuesday the end of the line in terms of that presumptive nominee? We're going to know by then who it's going to be. 
I mean, there's a good chance that's the case, but it's not guaranteed, so we'll see. The state of Colorado, the Republican Party, has a faction of it that has sought to endorse President Trump in advance of our own primary, and we get to be part of that Super Tuesday chaos as well. Um, I'm not asking you to comment on the party because it's not the party who's seeking this. It's a faction of it. Any thoughts on that in terms of, of how we seek a nominee for our party? You know, again, the voters are going to decide. The primaries are all going to be important. I think it's very important that as a national party, we are part of a fair and transparent process. I think the Democrats should have done the same. They're obviously not doing that, as we see. And then, of course, the Democrats know they can't win on policy on top of it. So they're doing things like what we saw happen in your state with trying to take people off the ballot, which is just absolutely insane. So we obviously got involved right away. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's a complete misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. We got involved right away, filed an amicus brief, uh, set aside funds. We're supporting President Trump in the efforts. Uh, and, and as an attorney, I say all the time, I'm like, you know, we wouldn't want to see this happen to a Democrat just as much as we don't want to see it happen to President Agreed. Trump. What's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. And I have major, major problem with the fact that politics have gotten to a point in which people have no morals. People have no respect for the Constitution. I was joking around on our uh, weekly show that we do at the RNC uh, yesterday saying, hey, can we have some extra Constitution copies sent over to the DNC and to the White House because it seems like they could use them. Uh, These people really have no respect for the Constitution, no respect for the nation's laws, and no morality. And It's really disappointing to see this happening. You're a law-talking person, so I'll I'll bring up – I'm I'm certain that the Supreme Court ends up – uh, reinstating Trump on all the ballots he's been taken off of through this tortured interpretation Absolutely. of Section 3 of the 14th. However, I'm really invested in the idea that for the health of the country and for the finality of this decision to move on, however narrow it needs to be written, I, I really want to see this as a 9-0 vote. I don't know if that's possible, you know, with Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sotom. I don't know if that's possible, but if it is a 9-0 vote on this, would at least close the door for any future argument of wiggle room on this nonsense or anything like that. I just, I, I don't know if you've had any thoughts on that being a legal person yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be surprising if it's anything but a 9-0 decision. Uh, I think if we can have faith in any court in the country, it should be the Supreme Court of the United States to do the right thing uh, and to have a fair legal interpretation of this. Again, as you say, we're living in, in difficult, different times with being 2024 and, uh, you know, the politicization of everything. But I do have faith and hope that we will see a 9-0 decision. I'm happy with the winning decision in general, but a 9-0 would be great to see because I do think this should be pretty cut and dry. Any thoughts on, uh, you know, we go from Iowa to when's New Hampshire? It's like 15 minutes later or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's next. It's the following Tuesday. Any thoughts on New Hampshire? Very different processes. And I think we take it for granted. We just throw around the idea of Iowa caucus, New Hampshire primary, but they're very different. And you've already educated us on something I didn't know about, which is uh, the rules are so tight in Iowa that if you get to the place a minute or two late, weather or otherwise related, uh, too bad, so sad. Yeah, exactly. So people people have to be on time. Uh, something some of the Gen Z people struggle with nowadays. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens in Iowa. But no, I, I think Iowans are used to the snow. I think we'll see most people be able to make it and, and be able to caucus. And they're used to the caucus rules while the rest of us are like, wow, that's so weird. We, we don't have that in Ohio and Colorado and everywhere else. Um, they've been doing caucuses for years. And so I think they'll be prepared and, and ready to go on Monday. 
I think that there's nothing more satisfying for a guy in his late 90s as I am to hear a 32-year-old throw shade at Gen Z. Thank you for that moment. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was super wonderful. Um, procedurally speaking, what's the next couple big things that take place after New Hampshire, and when do they occur? So obviously we'll continue to move through those primaries. Um, one of the things we'll be working on from a national party perspective in the meantime uh, is continuing, of course, to fundraise, continuing to work on our Bank Your Vote and Protect Your Vote initiatives. These are going to be huge. And so we're talking as we go through all the different states and we look at, to Nevada and we look to, uh, you know, Super Tuesday and we're, you know, looking at some of these states that are going to be very competitive in November we're encouraging the voters that we're meeting on the campaign trail to visit bankyourvote.com. We want Republicans voting early. I hate early voting, so uh, I understand why people have been hesitant to get on board with this. But the reality is, until the laws change and the prospective states back to the way they used to be, and if they change back to the way they used to be, we have to be playing the same game the Democrats are playing or we're going to lose. It's a money game at the end of the day. And when you as a Republican, a hardcore Republican vote on day one, we might only spend $5 chasing your vote versus upwards of 30 plus if you wait until Election Day. So people ask me all the time, what can we do different like to not lose like we did in 2022? Well, this is what you can do different. You can vote early. You can encourage others to vote early because that $25 plus differential can be used to chase ballots of low propensity voters, to chase ballots of independents who maybe haven't voted uh, Republican in a while to chase even maybe disenfranchised Democrats that are really unhappy with the Biden administration, the way things have been going. Uh, we need to win these votes to win. And in order to do that, we have to conserve resources. Uh, as a national party, our job is to get out the vote. And that's the way that we can help do that and help ensure victory for our candidates, not only for our presidential candidates, but for the Senate candidates, uh, congressional candidates as well. We're talking with Madison Gilbert, lawyer slash figure skater slash graduate of some never heard of before university. Um, when you talk about I, we don't like the early voting thing, it, it is, do you have a personal position on how you'd like to see the election process go? Or does the RNC have a favored system that it would like to see? Well, the RNC, I mean, we play by the, the rules that are in front of us, and we sure, want to make sure that our course. candidates win. Our job is to get out the vote. Um, but I always talk about, like, my personal position because I think it's important because as Republicans, there is diversity within the party. Some people are fine with early voting. Some people don't really like it and didn't want to see things change this way. But the reality is right up under us, the laws have changed in so many states. And so what I think is great is now post the new year, the RNC has state-specific websites, and those can be used as not only well, a place helpful. to sit voting early, but as a resource so that you can say or go see in your state, when can I vote? How can I vote? I mean, things are just changing by the minute sometimes. Uh, I do this every day for a living, and I'm, like, catching up on stuff. You know, what states are ballot harvesting legal? What states can you request an absentee, you know, months in advance for people who need to do that? So the resource aspect of it, I think, is going to be critically important as well. I appreciate hearing the perspective on the cost to the party and the candidates of chasing those yet unvoted ballots. I hadn't thought of it in those terms. Usually I try to tell folks, if you want your text to, to stop coming in, if you want the emails to stop bludgeoning you, people coming by the House, people calling you, uh, vote. Because as soon as you fall off that list of outstanding ballots, the party and candidates lose interest in you until they need you again for voting. And But your perspective is a good one from the standpoint of resources, like let's get those things done. And what I've seen is we used to be that party, Madison. We used to be the party of get up early in the morning, go to work real hard and follow all the rules. And that applied to early voting, too. If you could vote on day one of 13, you voted on day one. 
what I've seen is a shift, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Some of it is questioning the integrity of the system and all this other stuff. But I have seen more and more conservatives and Republicans hang on to their ballots till the bitter end as if it provides them some greater guarantee of um, integrity in their voting. Have you, have you noticed that? Yeah, and that's why a part of what we've also done is open an entire new department with our election integrity department. We're focused on not only encouraging people to bank their vote, but making sure that we're protecting the vote along the way. We recognize there's been issues in the states, and so we're involved now in 72 lawsuits across the country, some in conjunction with President Trump, some not. Uh, we're also, you know, working behind the scenes on things people don't see, like making sure voter rolls get purged. We don't want dead people on the voter rolls, things like that, putting in public uh, or private pressure campaigns in the states to make sure things get handled properly. We're encouraging people to go to GOP.com, sign up to be a poll worker, a poll watcher. Uh, the list goes on, but we're actively involved on that end as well. To that extent, um, whatever results come out of Iowa based on the system that you know well and uh, the that come out of the primary in New Hampshire, should Republicans trust the outcome of those two processes, of the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary? Yeah, well, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that they can do that, and that's why we're involved in all of these realms that I mentioned. So, yeah, I think the voters should feel confident uh, going into this year that all eyes are on what's going on and that will protect your vote or but, you know, but, in every way possible from a party perspective. And nothing you've seen or heard of or worry about that would suggest that the process is corruptible or corrupted and that people should be aware of their vote. Nothing you've seen so far. Again, everything we're seeing, we're addressing. What have you seen? What I mean, we're talking about purging voter rolls. We're talking about losses. We're talking about what's going on in Colorado. Uh, we're talking about when we saw some issues with absentee ballot uh, things that Democrats were playing around with in New York. So we immediately sued Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democrats in New York on this. They were trying to have, uh, you know, absentee ballot voting in a way that was already struck down uh, mm. in an election in New York. And pretty much they knew and they said at the time a couple of years back that if this was struck down and the voters voted against it in this referendum, that it would not be legal for them to do it and circumvented the law and did it anyways. And so we're looking at things like that happening, ways in which they're trying to legally change things up underneath us uh, to make it easier to vote in a way that's not proper, to make it easier and what many calls to cheat, right? And so we want to make sure we're protecting that vote. And so we're doing that everywhere we can. Madison Gilbert, she's with the uh, RNC, a spokesperson. Um, thank you for making smarter on a lot of this stuff i hope we get a chance to have you back on as the process unfolds do you know what the last day of the last primary slash caucus thing is like when does this thing all come to an end on paper um i think our very last one is in april that's actually a good, a good question i'm pretty <laughs> sure we're in april I'm, I'm like still in january it, right now <laughs> i know i know i like i'm sure you're focused on the battle in front of you but i love the April question mark? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that sounds like me in law school answering a question. Marbury versus Madison? I don't, anyway, speaking of Madison, thank you. Amen, thank right? you, Madison Gilbert, for the, the time and the interview. We'll have you on in the future. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Take care. Hey, uh, folks, I don't know what you heard in that, uh, in that interview. Of course, there's not going to be a way to have a deep dive with anyone from the RNC on preferences for candidates or any of that stuff. The process itself is interesting to me, how different Iowa is from New Hampshire, but should we believe the outcome was sort of one of the things I wanted to get to the bottom of is like, listen, 
right now, are you participating in the caucus in Iowa? Do you trust the caucus in Iowa at a different level than you trust the votes? And, and that has applicability here, too, folks, because even though we have the presidential primary, and that was something that voters put on us, we do have precinct caucuses and assemblies. And do you trust those, that process, more than you trust the ballot that you vote and go I don't know if you drop it off in the mail. I don't. I go put it in the little drop box. I'm interested to know what you think about that. And we'll continue to talk about the uh, the big national politics stuff. But we're going to be joined by Sherry Pife here in just a moment. Get a little more local and uh, a little more aggressive in terms of some of the stories that the mainstream media just won't report on. Stick around. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Here comes our girl uh, right here on 710 KNUS, George Brockler on The George Show, joining us on the VIP line, Sherry Pife from Complete Colorado, page two. Sherry, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and I apologize for Tuesday. (laughs) Well, let's get right down to it. What bar were you at that had no cell coverage? (laughs) What? Where is that? Oh, no, 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 no. No, I've been having problems with my phone. It, I People could call and I couldn't answer. I would call, try to call out and my phone wouldn't call out. And finally, overnight, Monday into Tuesday, it just went and there was there was nothing left. Um, so I had to, because of the fact that it was not under its initial one-year warranty, I had to send it back to, you know, the scam warranties oh, you pay $18 a month for. <laughs> so I had to wait for another one to get here. And fortunately, it got here yesterday. So here we are. Nice. Is it a brand new phone or just a copy of the one that you had before? It's it's a copy. I mean, it's they say they say that the phone could be new or refurbished, so you never know what you got. My guess is it's refurbished. I love the new or refurbished. <laughs> we don't know what we're going to give you, and right. you don't either. So, uh, <laughs> right, exactly. that's magical. Listen, um, I don't know if you know this, but it feels like. Colorado Republican politics has come off the tracks a little bit with all of these announcements of I'm not running for my old seat anymore at the congressional level. What's going on? That's a really good question. You know, two years ago, we were all talking about all the Democrats that were stepping down and how nice it was going to be to, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And now we want, now we're seeing all of the um, Republicans stepping down. I think it's a, I don't know that I would want to be in office today if if I was a Republican. I don't know that I want to be a Republican office holder today. Talk about that. The, Why is that? The general public just does not understand um, the meaning. And, and I hate to say that, but they don't. Because everybody that I talk to, after I have a five-minute conversation with them, they're like, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. They don't understand how it works when you're not in the majority. You know, I really would not want to be a public official in Colorado right now as a Republican. The, the term rhino is being used so much right now with our Republican representatives and senators in Colorado because they compromise when they go onto the House or the Senate floor. But what, mm. what people don't understand when that whole sausage-making thing is taking place and these bills are being, you know, vomited out onto the floor day after day after day, and our Republican legislators are trying to work to make those bills not as horrible as they're going to pass anyway. That's what happens when you have a supermajority. Bills are going to pass no matter what the Republicans do. So these our Republican representatives work on these bills to, to bring amendments to them to make them a little bit more palatable. And when you do that, 
when it comes time to vote on the bill, no matter how much you don't like the bill in general, you still have to vote yes. Because if you got your amendment on there and you got the Democrats to go along with your amendment and you got them to compromise, you better not be stabbing them in the back on the day yeah. that you vote. On or they won't listen to you anymore. We, we have yeah. seen this historically, especially recently when you're in a super minority, as we are in the House and almost a super minority in the Senate. Do you have a bill or two in mind when you talk about that scenario? Holy cow. You know, I don't know. The one bill that is bothering me the most right now that I'm really hoping um, that that the legislators can get to and that they can find a way to compromise, I just don't know that there's compromise on this bill. But it's House Bill, and I think it's 1039. It's a bill that would make it make it discrimination for any school employee to not call a child by a not what they're calling a non-legal name change um regardless of what the parents say regardless of what if you do not agree to call this child but what he wants to be called by um they will consider it to be discrimination you're right it is house bill 24-1039 uh and let me see here if i can find something super quickly on that it is um Dang it, I'm right here. Here it is. It is called Concerning Non-Legal Name Changes for Students in School. And in that bill summary that they give you before they get into the language, it uh, requires public schools and institute charter schools, too, to Mm -hmm. use a student's preferred name if a preferred name is requested by the student and deems a school's refusal to use a student's preferred name a form of discrimination. This is all independent of any knowledge or input by the parent. And I will tell you, Sherry, as the guy who was the fly in the ointment his entire time in high school, whether it was at Mullen or Bear Creek, I know for a fact I would have coordinated uh, dozens of young men on the football team and soccer team to show up on day one of this going live and declaring to be called, I want to be called Elvis. I want to oh, be no. called Michael Jack. I want to be called Jesus and just stick and make them figure out a way to not do that. Well, you know, when I first saw this bill the, and I'll, I'll, I'll phrase this very carefully. So you ha- don't have to worry about breaking any FCC rules here. But um, if, you know, if I was in high school, I would have been the one going around telling my teachers and my uh, administrators that I want to be called queen it rhymes with which it's just got a different letter in front of it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that, yeah, that's what I want to be called. You know, I do not understand when we have some of the highest property taxes in the nation, when we have some of the most obnoxious regulations and red tape, when it comes to developing land in a state that everybody wants to beat their chest to the homeless um, conversation about and when we have some of the highest taxes, you know, travel taxes and cigarette taxes and sales taxes and food taxes and every tax you can think of in the nation, and our cost of living is one of the highest in the nation, why what Stephanie V. Hill, Faith Winter, and Janice Marchman think is a good idea is to spend time allowing children of any age. I don't see any age in this bill. So this isn't like your, it starts at 17, you know, it, it started when somebody goes into kindergarten to allow these kids to go teacher teacher i want to be called rudolph 
<laughs> this is insane. This is insane. I don't know how you can view this as anything other than another assault on parental rights and parental input on parents in general. This is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, there's no doubt. There is, there is absolutely no doubt. I just, I just don't under, I just don't understand it. This <laughs> you know, is every, Faith every Winter, by up. the way. The uh, the notorious yeah. Faith Winter is the one sponsoring this, along with the other names that you mentioned there. Um, I, I I don't know where this thing is going to be assigned. Is it? It's it's in the House Committee for Education. Nobody assigned this thing to Veterans Affairs, huh? No, no, no. But you know that's that you're gonna that you're the the folks that are on that House Committee that House Education Committee. Um, you know, you've got Mary Bradfield, you, or excuse me, not Mary Bradfield. You, you've got um, Mary Young and Tammy Story and those folks sitting on, on this, Jennifer Bacon, you know, Barbara McLaughlin. If you think they're going to say no to this bill, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I got some swamp land I'll sell you because this is in an election year, nonetheless, but hey, whatever. Listen to where it's going to be used here. A public school or institute charter school shall address a student by the student's preferred name and use the student's preferred name in school, during extracurricular activities, on rosters, attendance lists, yearbooks, student identification cards, and any other unofficial school recording requested by the student without requiring the student to obtain a court-ordered name or gender change or to change the student's official records. A school refusal to respect a student's request to use a preferred name is discriminatory. Such a refusal includes the refusal to use a student's preferred name in school during extracurricular activities on Ross. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. I mean, this thing is ripe for chaos. There are kids out there who are smarter than I am but have that same commitment to chaos that I do. This thing is going to be insane to apply. And it won't just be people who are like, please call me Sally. It'll be something what? else, right? Like no, it, yeah. We will. You will have. You will have animal names. You will have uh, vulgar names. I mean, I can see. You know, the the starting five for the boys' basketball team coming up with. You know, I remember when my son was in high school, and they would they would pick their walk up music to go up to bat. You know, on the baseball team, and there were days where the boys would all get together and they would do silly things like. You know, pick pick walk up songs off of a, uh, you know, Little Mermaid soundtrack or something, and you know because that's what high school boys do. Those are the kinds <laughs> two of live crew. Do. Something else, <laughs> Sherry, that's going to happen is you're going to get. Remember when Bart Simpson would call in to Moe's and ask for people by names that were just funny, silly names like Michael Hunt. Do you know what I mean? There's going yeah. to be people that say, I want to be called that, or I want to be called Phil McCracken, or something like that. That's yeah. going to happen, and they will be powerless to stop it. <laughs> well, And, here's, and you and can here's change it as much as you want. You can change it as much as you want. It, yeah, and, that, and, and, and here's the other part. Who all does that extend to? Okay, so you are, you work, you, you're 12 years old, and you decide that you want to be called Oprah. Okay? And I did. Um, everywhere... <laughs> and your your class now decides to go on a field trip um, someplace, and and I don't know. You're being introduced to, the, to your guide that has taken you around the Denver Museum, and you're 12 years old, and you're um, you know a a white boy, and you're at the at the museum, and your guide is asking everybody their names, and you all of a sudden tell your guide Oprah, 
And so a little bit further down the line, the guide at the museum has a question, and when he calls on Oprah, he doesn't call Oprah by name. Does, does it, is it an extension? Because it says off-campus, other activities. <laughs> who, who is all, excuse me, going to be held responsible for making sure that these kids are called by things that their parents don't know they're being called by? That's the other thing, is that how do you exclude from this entire process parents from this? The parents that are not only charged with the long-term care of their children to help raise them, but also emotionally invested in their well-being. And, oh, by the way, footing the bill for this nonsense as taxpayers and property owners. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they do. Pretty soon, the teachers, I don't know. I honestly don't know why anybody would want to be a teacher anymore because the teachers are now being forced to make the the decisions and the determinations and the judgment calls um, of things that parents should be doing. Your schools are now raising your children because they think they know better. You know, I said to somebody the other night, people laugh and say, don't California my Colorado. I'm pretty confident that the Democrats out in California are saying, "Don't Colorado, my California," too. because we are we are no longer following California. We are we're leading, we are yeah. wanting California to follow us. Exactly. Uh, under under the caption, um, the Democrats hate the Second Amendment. There's another draft bill. I'm trying <laughs> to find all the text for it. I can't do it yet online. Maybe you've seen it, but it's called Bill Topic: Prohibited Carrying Firearms in Sensitive Spaces. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen the bill, but I've heard about it, and I can tell you that a lot of where it's coming from is this back, you know, back a while back. It can't, you know, last year or the year before or whatever. When all of these little communities, after the governor decided to allow Democrats to get rid of, you know, the preemption clause in the, in being able to uh, make your own laws within your community in, in Colorado when it came to gun safety. Um, back when all that was going on and all these communities were starting to make these bills, one of the bills or one of the conversations that was very popular, you know, in Lafayette and, and Superior and Boulder and all these other places was this idea that you don't that you couldn't uh, you couldn't carry in in public places, and the reason or in certain public places, and the reason that it ended up getting killed everywhere is because the city attorneys would always be like, well, you know, there, there's a thing that you could always do this under sensitive areas and this and that and the next thing, but that's going to end up having to be litigated in court, and we're going to have to have the Supreme Court determine exactly what sensitive areas is. So I don't think, you know, we should be doing that as a community. Maybe we should sit back and, and wait and let the state take that on as a larger issue. And then, you know, if, if, when it, if and when it does go back to court because of this, we can, you know, if the state wins, then we can do it. But we just don't have the resources to, to manage the lawsuit. So I my guess see if this is thing, I do want to see if this thing drops. It's supposed to be filed by last, whatever the fifth was. It's It looks like, I'm just looking at a screenshot on social media, Sherry, but it's... Um, Got Tom Sullivan on it, which would be a shock to no one, and then some other people. I'm not really sure who they are. But here's it under that bill summary kind of area. This thing looks like it's been cut and put there. God, I really want to see the rest of the text. One of the things it says is the bill repeals a concealed carry permit holder's authority to have a handgun in the permittee's vehicle on school property. And here's the kicker. Carry a concealed handgun on school property 
while on duty as a school security officer. That is a direct assault on groups like FASTER uh, Colorado, which provide firearms training to these teachers so that the school districts who've decided they want armed teachers in their schools, this hijacks that and blows it up. Well, and and as I said at the start of this, I hadn't seen that bill yet, so I didn't realize that was a part of it. And that's exactly what it does. And, you know, I've been saying for years that it was only a matter of time before the legislature uh, tried to do something that would kill the ability. Because right now in the Colorado Constitution, um, school districts are able to hire anybody they want to act as, as security. And so that basically opened it up for districts to make $1, $10, $5 contracts with anybody that was already a district employee to be allowed to conceal carry. And there are school districts, um, you know, Bennett in Colorado is one of them, that are very proud of the fact that they allow their staff to carry. They post it on their doors. They tell people, you know, anybody in this building could be carrying a gun when you enter, you know, enter uh, without, you know, without ill regard of anything. Um, there, are, there are school districts across the state that have their teachers conceal carrying, and they have gone through extensive training to be able to do that. You're right. Faster Colorado, which is Laura Carno. And I thought for years that it was only a matter of time before Democrats tried to, to seal that up. And so, yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's attacking that part of the Colorado law. That's exactly what it's doing. I'm wondering now what happens um, with the rest of this legislative session. There's probably bills out there, Sherry, you haven't been able to stay on top of that that are just grenades that have been rolled under the democracy tent, the freedom tent. Are there others out there that you're tracking already where you're like, uh uh-oh? Not quite yet. You know, um, there's a a bunch that we heard about in off session, um, you know, waiting for the the ball to drop, waiting for the, the bills to drop, waiting to see what they are. Um, but I'm sure within the next week or two, I'll probably, you know, just like last session, have a list of about 30 bills where you just scratch your head and you go, huh, who, you know, what were you smoking this morning when you got up and went into work? You know, um, it's, it's what we're being, what we're becoming accustomed to in Colorado. People better get Um, get ready. Speaking of waiting for a ball to drop, did you get a listen to the state of the state? address yesterday um no i did not i was actually in a meeting um and all day and could not get i could not listen to it so unfortunately i cannot help you on that one what's your favorite not that part? i'm sad no, I'm not kidding. that i'm I... sad that i missed it <laughs> <laughs> not that i'm sad that i missed it let me tell you <laughs> uh at the uh, at the national level and you're a very local focused person but i know you keep track of this at the national level uh prognostications on tuesday Trump. I literally, I, I, yeah, I I really do believe it's going to be Donald Trump. I think the Democrats have shot themselves in in the foot when it comes because all they do every time they file one more charge and every and every time they accuse him of one more thing, all they do is uh, you know allow him to uh, gain more, gain more and more. Support. Do you think it changes anything for DJT if he's convicted in any one of these 800 trials against him? No. I think we have a president uh, ruling from jail. Nothing in the Constitution that says he can't. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Sherry Pife, uh, listen, we could talk to you all morning. 
but uh, we can't actually talk to you all morning. There's rules and stuff. Uh, but thank you for coming on board. We can You can all find Sherry Pipe's great local reporting, especially the stuff that the legacy media folks just refuse to cover. Maybe it's a lack of resources. Maybe it's a lack of will. We don't know. But you can check them out at Complete Colorado, page two. I think we just lost Sherry, by the way. Yeah, we lost Sherry. Imagine it's that brand new phone that she's that refurbished phone that she was talking about. Hey, stick around. We're going to get to some phone calls at 303-696-1971. Your text, George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS. My thanks to Sherry Pipe from Complete Colorado, page two. You can find all of her great reporting that just nobody else is interested in trying to get to the bottom of. Um, Sherry's phone is a problem, obviously, the refurbished phone. So don't call her. Just check her out on the Complete Colorado, page two. We've got a caller on the line here at 303-696-1971. Justin, you're on 710. What do you think, sir? Are you friends with uh, Richard Rabner? Richard Rabner, uh, friends? I mean, I'm friendly with Richard. I hired him a while ago to be a prosecutor for me, and he runs the show out in Lincoln County for John Kellner, who's the current district attorney. But I haven't uh, spoken to Richard in years. Okay. Uh, Just one of the candidates. He's prosecuting a case of um, one of the candidates that you're going to be moderating. He's prosecuting a case against who? Justin Schreiber, are and you Justin aware Sh- that the? Hang are on, you hang aware? On. Is Justin, you, hang on, hang on. Justin, is it you? Are you Justin Schreiber? Yes, I am. Okay, are you running for Congress? Yes, I am. Okay, well, great. Well, so we have this great Women of Weld event next Thursday up there at Fort Lupton at the Rec Center. I'll be there with Ernest Lunning. We'll be doing CD four and CD eight. It'll be good to see you. What's uh, what's on your mind? Oh, nothing. I just, um, I've got some false charges that I'm dealing with. The uh, Lyman, Colorado Police Department actually swatted my home. And, and, uh, what are you charged with? Commercial bribery for reporting a burglar in my home. Well, they wouldn't just say, hey, if you report a burglary, you get charged with commercial bribery. There's got to be something else going on. What's the commercial aspect? Hey, you know what? That's the that's the question we've been trying to figure out for a whole year, and they've been hiding uh, body cam videos and all kinds of stuff. That's interesting. What's the bribery allegation? I they don't have one. A motion for dismissal. A motion for dismissal has been uh, filed. Well, that's terrific, then. You'll have the opportunity to have this thing litigated in front of a judge, and if it shouldn't move forward, it won't. That's great. Is that why you called in, though, to talk about the charges against you? or? No, I called to see what your connection is with Richard Radner, because it almost seems like this is election interference and uh, witness tampering, what you're doing. What I'm doing? Yes, you are moderating. I, I don't know. That's why I'm, at, that's why I'm questioning you. Well, you hold need on. to be questioned. You, you've alleged this sounds like election interference and, and tampering that I'm doing it by moderating. How? If you know Richard well, it doesn't look good. I'm just saying. It just doesn't look good. Buddy, I, I think you've got the wrong guy here. I've hired... 
probably 70 to 90 prosecutors in my time as a district attorney. Richard's one of them. The mere fact that I hired him and he has been doing this job for another DA for the past three plus years in no way suggests that we have a relationship that puts you at any greater risk. Unless you think you're going to confess to something at the debate itself, I'm not sure how anything I do could be viewed as election interference or tampering. Well, that's it. What an interesting call from Justin. Good luck, man. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Stick around. We got Paul Lundine coming up next. He's a superstar state senator. Stick around. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.